and welcome to episode 79 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Orti. Pilar, how are you doing? I'm all right. Hello, Richard. And uh, I should say, Happy New Year. This is the first time we've recorded. Yes. And this is what confused the listeners, but, yes. you know, podcasts are like that. Yes. So it's really, <laughs> really nice to be doing this again. I hope you've been keeping well. Yes, I had a really good break, a uh, couple of weeks of disconnecting. So that was really good. I hope listeners had too. What about you, Richard? I did the same. I, I took two weeks off uh, to all, all intents and purposes, two weeks of no work. And it meant that when the 4th of January came around, I was absolutely in the right mood to start work again. Let's put it that way. Right. I was really, really good. But of course, everything's changed again now. Yes. So, you know, to put this in context, we're talking about productivity from, when working from home. This is part of our series on working effectively from home or at home, however you want to put it. And you know, the ethos of this series has been, let's look to the future and um, effective working from home when it's all not a bit of a panic, but we're in lockdown again. So anyway, with that in mind, we're still going to go ahead. And um, I really hope that if you're listening to this uh, in 2021 and you know there's some limitations on what you can do, you take something from this. And if you're listening to this in the years, in the future, you know, and everything's calmer and back to normal, then you can still find find some, some utility with what we're going to share today. Because as with all of these things, I think we're going to operate at the level of principles and you can interpret them to work in your, your own context. Um, and I think anything else would be a bit too directive and there's no one size fits all, right? So have a think about what works for you. So before we dive into all of this uh, productivity stuff, I just wanted to share a few updates. And, you know, this is me. Um, I found a post-it note with several things that I wanted to mention on the last <laughs> the last episode that didn't make it in. Oh. So maybe I'll squeeze those in now. Is that okay? Yes, go for it. <laughs> so the, the back end of 2020, I had a quick run through the podcast because I like to do that at the end of the year and see, well, what are people listening to? What do people like? What what should we do more or less of? And um, I've, I've looked at the top five um, in terms of downloads. What did people uh, download a lot? And I did get some feedback as well. But um, I've put a post together on the blog, a year in review, of my pocket psych, but I thought I would share it because I think it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. The number one most downloaded episode of 2020 was episode 54 when um, Dr. Rachel Skews joined us to talk about acceptance and commitment coaching. Wow. Far and away the most popular uh, episode. And uh, it was great to bring that topic alive with Rachel. So big thanks to her yeah. for, for joining us. She's been on a, a couple of times now. Um, but I think she, she did a great job of bringing um, this specific approach to coaching alive with some great metaphors and images. And um, it sounds like listeners thought so too. Um, I have been on other people's podcasts, so I really want to make sure that I direct listeners to theirs because they're great podcasts. I, I was thought you really, were going to really be the top five. <laughs> That's why I gave you a pause oh. because it says here our top five. I was okay. He starts with the first. Well, if I was going to do the top five, <laughs> I'd start with five and work up to That's one. That's what I thought. Okay, we'll leave it. We'll leave it. Sorry. <laughs> Happy I'll maybe cut this out. <laughs> um, we're but so joined up been, today. You have been on other shows. 
I've been on other shows, and um, so I thought I would I would uh, link back to these in the show notes. I was really, really happy to be on the World of Work podcast a couple of times. Um, it's a really good podcast. I can recommend it to anyone who's interested in these topics that we talk about. They've got a different perspective on things. They look at a very broad range of uh, interesting topics to do with the world of work. Um, and on the first of those episodes, um, I was looking at the topic of procrastination, which is almost an evergreen topic for psychologists in the workplace. And um, the second time was about our experience of anxiety. Um, we did focus on the context, uh, the coronavirus context, but you know these anxious thoughts and feelings can come up to do with anything. Um, a lot of people, I guess, can identify with it at the moment, but it was a very interesting conversation, I think, to be to be interviewed by people who have a deep interest in these. So I'll put a couple of links to those episodes, but I really commend listeners to the, the World of Work uh, podcast. And then I was back with my old friend, uh, Austin Tay, um, on Psych Chat, and we had a great conversation about well-being. A very general conversation, but as two psychologists who practice in this space, um, him in Asia, me in Europe, what's going on? What are we up to? How do we approach these conversations? And I really, really enjoyed it. And um, I've listened back to it as well. And he's done a great edit and it's a nice tight episode. So I'll, I'll link to that as well. And uh, Richard, did you find that your uh, what you were doing and the kind of conversations you were having because of cultural differences were different or were there more similarities than not? More similarities. It's really interesting because Austin was, I interviewed Austin for this podcast um, when we were looking at psychological flexibility. And one of the key things I was interested to know, does he adapt acceptance and commitment theory? Does he use different metaphors and images when working with people from Asian countries? And, and he said, no, he, he's never had to, that they, they kind of are um, global in, in how they're accepted and how people understand them. I thought that was super interesting because it's something I'm always sensitive to when I'm working with people from a different culture. Will my story, will my picture um, resonate with them in the same way it does with me? Uh, I think what this also speaks to, though, is that a lot of the work he does is in corporate spaces. And so maybe the yeah. corporate culture is one that's having a bigger influence than the local national culture when it comes to understanding these turns of phrase uh, and these uh, these concepts. Mm. So listeners, if you want to listen to that conversation, it's episode 57 from the 19th of Feb 2020, as well as, of course, the most recent one. It'd be interesting to compare. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he's he's great to chat with Austin. He's very knowledgeable, really good psychologist. So his uh, podcast is called Psych Chat and it's uh, on all the platforms like, like all of these. And just a final note about podcasting uh, as an activity. Um, you, we always say, let us know what you think um, about this episode or the podcast in general. And sometimes fairly frequently people will get in touch send an email send a suggestion on twitter i've actually set up a page on the pod chaser platform where you can see all of the episodes but a really easy interface to leave feedback suggestions ratings all of that stuff it's on the web you don't need to get an app a lot easier than dealing with the apple ones so i'll put a link to our pod chaser page because you can see and then also see similar podcasts as well both with people who've guested and otherwise so it's a great podcast discovery platform i think it's great if you've got interests in this space and if you'd like to give us feedback you can do it there So our working from home series, 
a quick recap. We've looked at why it's important to consider the working from home context. We've looked at the importance of maintaining your physical well-being and your psychological well-being. Um, so we're going to look at productivity when working from home. And I think the most important thing I want to say today is that when I talk about productivity when working from home, I don't want to add to anyone's anxiety about being some kind of superhero, about being super extra productive out of guilt or concern whether other people are thinking. We want to talk about getting the right stuff done in the right way at the right time. Simple as that, but it's worth paying attention to this because you're in a, a new context. So let's imagine you've started working from home more regularly, or maybe you've moved to uh, working from home all the time. The, the point being, if you were based in a physical shared office space before, you're now doing the same job, but you're in a different context. And I, I want uh, you to consider how the different context implies change on your part. What will you need to do differently because of that different context? Uh, how might your attitudes need to shift, your expectations, your habits, all of this stuff? Uh, because if we don't change with the context, then we, we run the risk of being inflexible or losing out on some of the benefits that can come with this, uh, this way of working. So don't imagine um, either of us are saying you should be getting more done or you should take on special projects. It's doing, a, doing the great job you've been doing, but in a different context. I um, Can I add, uh, Richard, there's, a, there's an article that you've got for later, but that I read and I really liked just refer just with reference to the word productivity like you're saying yes. sometimes it's like oh and and in this article um it's uh carl newport refers back to merlin mann who was like a guru of productivity at some point and he had the blog 43 folders and he said that at some point he got so uh, in a way i don't know if overburdened by the whole uh the whole notion of designing productivity systems and stuff that he he changed the focus of the blog or he changed how he spoke about it saying it was no longer a productivity blog but a website about finding the time and attention to do your best creative work and i think that's that for me, that is what productivity is, really, in, in, in a nutshell. I don't know. What do you think? Precisely. Precisely. And I, I, I constantly argue that it's a core skill of the professional in the contemporary work environment, um, attention management. Yes. What am I doing with my limited attention? Mm. Am I even aware about what I'm doing? Am I going through the motions or am I focusing where I think I can get the best value out of the limited time and the limited attention? that I have. And uh, for the vast majority of employees, this is a struggle um, for, for so many reasons. But yes, productivity implies making more or making lots. Really, let's focus on you know getting the stuff done, but doing that in an efficient way uh, because you've thought it through and you're managing how you do it with intent. So sorry yeah. to take you away from you were talking about context. <laughs> But I think I think that's the point that we want to start with. You know, uh, if you if you think about your productivity, thinking about your attention management when working from home, well, what is different and uh, what has changed about your context, and that could be a really good jumping off point for you to reflect on what you might need to do differently or how you might want to experiment with different ways of doing things. You know, it frees up. Uh, many people to organize their day differently and um, schedule uh, different uh, activities in a different way. And, you know, we've talked before about building in exercise and building in social contact and, and all of these things. But there's so many reasons without that reflection, without that thought, 
there's so many ways that it could be problematic for us that our productivity can suffer because of that change in context. And I haven't got a, a finite list of these at all, but some of the ones that I'm, I'm pointing to that come up in my coaching practice regularly, we've touched on before, you know, the fact that in the physical space you're working in from home, it's not always the ideal space to get work done if you're sharing it with other people and you're dealing with noise, you're dealing with interruptions. Those things can definitely impair your focus and you know, getting this stuff done. Um, right now, in the middle of this context, it may be that you've got lots of concerns about your health, your well-being, your employment stability, the everything that's going on in the world. You know, that stuff can play in our minds and take us away from the here and now. And and of course, we can, to the detriment of the bigger picture, forget that we're part of a system. And by that, I mean the simple difference between being physically around your colleagues and seeing them and hearing what they're doing and getting those requests and seeing their joy and seeing their anger and all those things. When you're physically removed from them, you might forget about their goals, their priorities, their workload, and focus only on your own. We forget about the interdependent nature of our work. And this was... um. Uh, the the article that you just mentioned that I wanted to reference, I put a link in the show notes. It's from the New Yorker. It's called The Rise and Fall of Getting Things Done. And it's quite long. It's a really interesting read. There's many takeaways. But one key one that I wanted to reference here was the fact that if we focus on our personal, individual productivity, that can be at a cost of working collaboratively and remembering the big picture. And we can fall into the trap of getting so task-focused we forget the why. And um, we can be, in inverted commas, more productive. We'll get more things done, but there are things. And that means that we're forgetting about other people and our relationships can suffer as a result. If you're interested in this whole space, though, that that uh, article is like a potted history of the productivity industry, Wonderful. <laughs> if you like. Yeah, I thought it was good. Did you enjoy it? I really liked it. And I liked that history of it and seeing how, well, some of the principles that we were looking at productivity when we were indeed uh, more machine-like. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. And then when we moved over to the knowledge worker uh, and we said, okay, well, we need more autonomy. And yes, you need autonomy, but you're still working with other people. Uh, and I liked that journey. I really liked the journey of the thinking and thinking through work. And yeah, I thought it's, it was really interesting. Well, well worth a read. It is long, but that's okay. Spend, uh, you know, know that you have 15 minutes during which you can consume a really nice meaty article. Definitely. Grab a coffee yeah. and sit back and uh, look out for those names that pop up in all of these, these discussions about uh, about productivity. So it's, it's to remember that you're part of something and um, not emphasize your unique own task list. And that's, that's a a real, a real risk. And of course, you know, things that are maybe outside of our control would be the equipment we're given. And um, when we're working from home and we have to deal with VPNs or we have to deal with uh, challenges and we haven't got someone next to us who could give us advice about how to deal with that stuff. And particularly if your internet isn't so great, you know, I think 2020 really flagged um, the uh, maybe unfair distribution of good quality internet connections in lots of places. And of course, if we don't have the reminders around us or even the 
belief that we're being watched, uh, procrastination can easily set in. Uh, and it's been the experience for lots of people that I've worked with in a coaching context that the initial joy and freedom of working from home is quickly replaced by, well, I got lots of stuff done today, but none of it was the stuff I wanted to do Ooh. or needed to do today. And I'm, I was busy in inverted commas, but I found lots of other things to do. And that's not like me. And so there's always an opportunity for the flower of procrastination to bloom when we are uh, really relying on our own self-management, you know, outside of that that uh, shared workplace context. Now, I'm sure everyone listening can think of a dozen other ways that our productivity could be dented by being out of a familiar work environment. But there, there are a few I wanted to touch on, and we'll circle back to what we might do about those when we think about some some productivity principles um, in a moment. It, but first, Pilar, anything you'd add to that list? You know, what, what else can stop you doing your your best work when you're working at home? Um, you had one here which you you touched on, which is the internal worries and anxiety. So it's our own self <laughs> yeah. uh, and 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 all that stuff. Which sometimes I'm thinking, if we are with other people, we might realize and notice we've got those thoughts, vocalize them as a oh, as an off comment and then carry on. But maybe that internal monologue uh, stays a little bit further in our heads if we don't have other people that we can just bounce it off uh, or, or even um, load off onto, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. So I, I think that that's one. And you said something that really interesting, The this isn't like me. So that mm -hmm. change of context and noticing, and I think especially that will start to happen around now. It probably started to happen around the end of 2020 because at the beginning in the rush for pandemic, well, that we didn't have time to notice that it wasn't like us because it was so different. And I think now that things are settling, it's probably like, oh, okay, I am like this now, but I wasn't like that before. And okay, where's this coming from? And what do, do I want to do anything about it? So I thought that the, that was very interesting in the um, under the arm of productivity to notice really what has changed internally. I, I think that's a is a really important point because we're we're touching on self concept here. Mm. You know, how does my view of myself? How has that adapted and evolved over time? And to just share one example that's come up many times in the last six months, so many people who have found themselves liberated by working uh, from home because they realize I'm kind of resentful for the hours I spent traveling to go to work when I've now been able to do wonderful things with that time. Uh, not everyone and not in every city. I'm really aware of that. But their whole view of themselves as an employee changed. And maybe if we were to imagine it as a pie chart, the slice that represented work got slightly smaller in their mind and their core identity with the job changed, uh, maybe for the healthier, potentially. Um, but this is, this is all part of that adaptation. It's not a small change moving to uh, working from home. And even if it's not a permanent or everyday thing, uh, we need to acknowledge that it's different to being in the office and, and see what we can do to get the best out of that situation. Um, maybe, and we've said this before, some people would opt to work an afternoon at home in order to get focus, to complete a complex task, to get away from the buzz and the noise of the office. And I know there's people out there right now who are looking forward to getting back to the buzz of their office because it's something that, that they really miss. So just think about what that context gives you and maybe what you might miss uh, uh, from uh, the office or what you might miss from the home environment.
So we'll have, have a look at some of these these principles. Now, if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, um, we did a whole series on productivity principles um, way back. I can't even remember what numbers they were. Pilar knows all of these things, mm. but we we did a we did a series, and it really was to look at um, how how you get the right stuff done through the lens of a few different uh, principles to to think about how you could make them work in your job, your responsibilities, your context. I want to run through them again, and we'll just do them in 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 one episode because I think they really resonate with this. And I've been using these principles a lot with my clients lately to give them some jumping off points for reflection. I think the first thing is that, and they all begin with P to try and make them memorable. But the first of these is purpose. Um, to reflect on what am I here to do? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And the reason I think this is very important is that it gives you clarity over what is actually important um, and to remind yourself, well, yes, there's lots that could be done, but what am I here to do? It can feed into your priorities, but it can also remind you about what your role's purpose is. And to use a very simple example, I don't think there's anyone out there who has a job description that includes empty email box every day, but you know, you think it would be the number of people whose focus is on emptying their inbox every day and dealing with email. So to really reflect on what are my responsibilities, um, how do I find purpose and meaning from what it is that I do, and the last year has really helped people figure that out um, at a values level, but it also helps you just think at the start of the day, tactically, what am I here to do? Like, you know, what, what is the mission for the day? And then more strategically, what does my role add here? And reminding ourselves of this can be useful when we're distant from our colleagues as well. Um, what we're here to do can be reinforced by the presence of other people and the conversations we have and the what's around us. Um, but when we're at home, we might miss out on that. And it's really important to um, remember uh, that we're there for a reason, you know, and go back to those first principles. I suppose also the even the walking into a building, uh, a lot of uh, organizations have their main entrance and their reception with reminders of that purpose also and reminders of yeah. what you're here to do. And uh, we, we lose that uh, visibility unless something's happening online for us. Exactly. And a lot of the thinking that can go with this, the I need to, I must, I should expands that perceived role you know we take on stuff in our minds and you know a really simple um i need to stay online just in case uh, i need to be available what will they think if i don't pick up the phone immediately rather than something much more realistic not jobs worthy but hey you know what these are my working hours and outside of that i'm not carrying the company on my back you know i can't solve all the problems i'm here to do this stuff let me do it well and when we're clear on that stuff we're able to leverage that to help us with lots of other things. But we talked um, previously about the role of interruptions um, if, when we're trying to work at home. And yeah, on the one hand, that's the temporary emergency style working at home. But there can be this stuff that we've no control over, even outside of a pandemic. You know, neighbors doing DIY. It could be sirens on the street or it could be silence and needing some uh, stimulation uh, around us, some some noise, some some activity, but the the next principle is presence, 
bringing your focus to bear on the work and knowing how to do that and knowing how long you can do that for. And when we're present, we're bringing our focus, we're managing our attention and we're, we're focusing on the task at hand and we're not spreading it really thinly. We're not multitasking. We're, we're focusing on uh, what we've agreed is our purpose for the day or for the morning or for the hour. Now, I wanted to reference an article that's been sitting in my to-do list for a few weeks because I was thinking, when am I going to bring this up? Because I do want to, <laughs> I do want to bring this up. And it's an article in Wired magazine, and the whole article is available online. And it introduced me to a new term. Um, we're never short of new terminology in the world of work. Productivity nannies. <laughs> now, how does how does that resonate with you, Pilar? Productivity <laughs> nannies. I really thought that the article was going to be about paying someone to come and <laughs> online and say, oh, you'd finished your task or, oh, what are you doing? Uh, well, luckily, it was something much nicer. Well, it started with co-working and accountability, and it's moved on now to people working from home and paying for a service where accountability is managed in hour-long slots. And you say, these are the things I'm going to get done this hour. You then work on them for 50 minutes and then you join a call to explain what you've done and what you've not done. And it's the power of accountability for people who maybe would otherwise not get stuff done, would maybe procrastinate or would find themselves dragged into meetings, calls, emergencies, all that kind of stuff. Now, I, I, I've gone through a whole journey um, on this article, because at first I snorted with derision and got slightly angry that people were selling this as a service. And I've gone full, I don't know, is it 180? <laughs> Actually, accountability is really important. And you don't need to pay people to do this. Let me be really clear. You could do this with your colleagues. But the fact that when we're away from everyone else, this can be a real challenge. And if we don't notice what we're doing with our attention, then we can find ourselves doing all kinds of things instead of what we planned to do that day. So it might be an idea to think about how you can build accountability into your day when working from home and maybe support someone else uh, as well. It could be a mutual activity or a team activity to get clarity and then check in. Um, and that's it's a very powerful force. I mean, it's a whole lever to pull in coaching. Yeah. You mentioned something here, Pilar. Yes, I've got a couple of examples, actually, because I just thought of Fantastic. another one. I'm part of an association and I heard that someone there had set up a session just, okay, who wants to join me for planning? Because they needed to do it, but they could never find the time. So they said, right, at this time, this uh, turn up. And I think there were five or six of them turned up and some of them had to leave for a while, come back, or some of them did exactly what you said. They joined at the beginning worked, came back to report, and they got so much out of it. They're going to be doing that regularly. Um, and the other one is uh, there's a writer called Rachel Heron who's got a podcast, and she does that. She sets up sessions, like an hour or an hour and a half writing sessions, and that's all they do. They open a Zoom call, they check in at the beginning, then they write, but the call is still open, and then they come back at the end to just catch up. But they and and it's it combines the accountability with the connection, sense of connection, with the mm -hmm. feeling people around you, even if it's online, they're still there. So there's yeah, there's there's a lot, there's a lot in there. Yeah. 
I, I think if they'd avoided the term productivity nannies, I might have read this completely yes, differently. Yes, I think and, that and yet helps. we see the main what's at work here is accountability and also the kind of cry for help from people who are willing to pay for service yeah. to get that accountability. I think it's really interesting, but it touches on a couple of our, our other principles here, which is, shows how they're they're interrelated. You know, avoidance of of procrastination we call proactivity, and um, I'll link to the um, procrastination webinar I ran uh, a while back, a couple of months ago. It's on YouTube on our channel. So I won't go into details on how to manage that, but it's always, it's not always, um, in fact, it's it's rarely some kind of laziness or some kind of, I can't be bothered. Um, a lot of procrastination, the root of it is, is avoiding some kind of a discomfort, something we associate with the task and we want to push it away from us into the future somehow. I mean, that is what it is at its very basic in, in an irrational way, not rescheduling it, but it's something that we probably could and should do now and we're pushing it away. And so we've got these two principles linked up here, the, the need to be proactive and do things at the right time and and the need to persist through the discomfort that comes our way and that discomfort can can show up in all kinds of of ways it could be boredom it could be anxiety it could be ambiguity um it could be the discomfort of uh not being around other people the discomfort that comes with the thoughts that pop into our minds about what's going on in the office that i'm not privy to at the moment so you know we, we can manage that by remembering um, what we're there to do. We can manage that by having a healthy relationship with the thoughts that show up inside. Now, I'll reference psychological flexibility here for the nth time, but that's really what it is. We're trying to defuse from these thoughts and emotions and images and remember that it's only uncomfortable, it's not dangerous, and we can keep going with it. Now, if we're proactive and we can persist and we're bringing our presence to bear on the work, um, one of the next most simple things is to really remember that we we need to have some priorities. And this is important when working um, physically away from others to give us a sense of satisfaction. Now, I know so much work is done uh, in a shared, visible way uh, using various systems, and we've referenced some of those when we talked about asynchronous work in the past. But even the simple act of establishing your own priorities for the day so that you can revisit them at the end of the day to say, yes, that is what I have done. Because there's few things more disheartening and demotivating at the end of a working day to be exhausted, to be shattered, to have nothing more to give, and then realize, I don't really know what I did today. You know, I feel like I've worked hard. I haven't got much to show for it. So establishing your priorities, working with those, simple as making a list, checking off that list, it can, it can go a long way to ensure that without other people telling you, good job, you, you're able to say that to yourself at the end of the working day. And I suppose going back to some of the stuff you were talking about earlier, knowing how much, well, going back to your point of what needs to be done on the checklist, well, knowing how much work you're likely to do in the new context also, because uh, no, understanding how much you can get done and making sure that you're not aiming for something that is uh, much more than, bef than well, that what you can achieve. I think that because maybe in another, maybe in the office, we got more done. And so to, to really acknowledge that and say, okay, <laughs> I can't be doing yeah. that. I've got to do something uh, and, uh, and being aware and, and just noticing that, I suppose. 
Uh, precisely. And this touches on two points, I think. It's a really common experience. It touches on the next of our principles, oh, yeah. pragmatism, <laughs> yes. being helpfully flexible, you yeah. know, and, and that's uh, not only being flexible around the context change, but things will change during the day and the week and adapting to those because without that flexibility, we, we will be, um, we won't be productive anymore. We won't be doing the right thing at the right time. We'll be doing stuff, but it won't be what's really helpful in that given moment. Um, but but it also speaks to the fact that we can be uh, unrealistic um, about what's possible to get done in a different context. And we might find ourselves frustrated that we can't just look left and ask someone a question because we're in a different county or a different city now. And we have to put a bit more work in to either pick up the phone, send them a message or schedule a call. And we may find we've got great ideas about how we're going to be magnificently productive. And then the reality hits home because as, as we've said before, it may be that you work in an organization that's trying to replicate the physical work environment. And lo and behold, you've got back-to-back -back video calls all day and your imagined thinking, planning, and creative time has kind of evaporated. So part of this as well is to figure out what's possible, to be realistic about that, absolutely. But then monitoring it and seeing, well, what can change? What might I need to ask be done differently now that I'm working from home? Or maybe a lot of us are, and maybe collectively we could say, do we need to have all of these kinds of calls or all of these kinds of meetings because we could do this asynchronously? And we talked about the interdependence point and the fact that we can get caught up with our own priorities really easily and, and our own tasks for the day that are just ours. So the next of these principles I refer to as perspectives, and this works on two levels or two perspectives, mm -hmm. knowing what works for you. So self-awareness, being realistic and you know, it points to our purpose for the day, our priorities. Um, it, you know, is it possible for me to do what I'm imagining I can do in the given time I have and the way I want to work, but also keeping other people in mind, the interdependence part. I know this works for me, but will it work for the rest of my team? Can I meet them halfway? I know I like to go dark for eight hours in a row to focus, but that maybe doesn't work for the rest of my team who want to remain in contact or want want to know they can contact me at any point. So remembering you're part of a system, remembering the nature of the interdependence in your team. Are people waiting on your work? Is it pooled interdependence and you regularly need to contribute together to make stuff happen? It's really going to be a function of the job that you do. But I think it's a risk for people who are driven and task-focused and goal-focused that they might just forget about the fact that they're part of something bigger than them and that their definite preferred way of doing things mightn't be the thing that's going to get them the best result with other people. The next P is process. Um, it might be that you are a very organized person and you've got your list of projects, your list of tasks, you've, you've got a, a, a process for your day that really works for you. If not, experiment, you know, you know, ensure that you know what your tasks are, but schedule your day in a way that maybe suits you. 
and you can have uh, different points of the day for different activities, maybe um, reflecting on whether you're a morning person or an evening person. If that's at your discretion to organize your day in a way that suits your strengths and suits your preferences. But having a process orientation to your work can go a long way to clarify things like purpose and priorities um, and remind you of the interdependence when you have a uh, particularly with shared work when it's visible to other people but to work in a process oriented way it will also save you a lot of time you won't lose stuff as much you won't wonder where information is you won't wonder what do i need to do today and and you can be more proactive as well when you're really clear on what you're doing today this week and next week you can carve out time save it in your calendar avoid you know other people taking all of your time that's now we one have one I, more. Sorry, I was going to oh, comment. Oh, sorry, on that. Pilar. That's the one yeah, I yeah. find most difficult, the process thing. <laughs> I, th I think there's something psychologically deep in me that says, no, don't have a process. So, so I reinvent the wheel a lot. So there's no one perfect way of doing this. Mm. You, you make an excellent point. It's process that's good enough for you. It's enough process. But I suppose the things that I see regularly that are less efficient would be, well, I don't have a central place where I keep all my notes. They could be anywhere. And now that I need to find the notes from that meeting, it might be in a nap, it might be on a scrap of paper, it might be in one of my seven notebooks. I, I, I don't know where it is. And that causes stress and anxiety and burns up time. You know, that's one thing. So you might say, look, I'll put all my notes in one place and I'll make sure that my task list for the day is on a sticker on my monitor, or I'll make sure it's in this app and no other app. And each day I'll check my priorities first thing. Just simple things, but habitual, so that it's giving you that rhythm, it's giving you that sense of this is how I work, rather than, uh, it depends, you know, <laughs> if I'm motivated, I might get some stuff done, uh, I might get ambushed by some emergencies, and then I won't be able to find things. And I get, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not this perfectly you know, methodical, organized individual, far from it, but I do know what helps. And I know that if I rely on my memory, well, I'm not going to get very far. So being systemic about these things can be really useful. Now, the final of our um, principles I've called play, and that's just remembering all of the non-work stuff, remembering uh, rest, breaks, recovery, your private life, your leisure pursuits, your habits, your family, your social um, life, all of that stuff that's non-work you. And we're going to cover that off in depth in our next episode because I'm delighted that uh, Dr. Kira Kelly is going to join us. Um, her research has been in the role of hobbies and pastimes in our, um, in our lives and how that relates to our work selves. And I think it's really useful to look at the research in this space because it's interesting. It kind of gets neglected, right? Because it's the non-work side of us, but it has a big impact on our satisfaction and our well-being and, and so forth. And I think it's a big theme. So we're going to give it its, its own episode um the play uh principle so importantly we're talking about principles here so there's no hard and fast rules but i really would like you if this sounds relevant to you to think about how you might translate these principles into um something that works for you given your situation your context your job responsibilities your personality your preferences all that stuff. It's not for me to tell you how to work, but to maybe flag some of the things that are useful 
to consider. And I hope that that's, that's clear to listeners. I would like to to add in my role of reminding pro previous <laughs> previous episodes that if you want to go a bit deeper into each principle, um, Richard mentioned earlier the series, which was actually started on the 6th of February 2019, episode 33. So I think that that might help people to reflect on these and some ideas of how to apply it as well. Fantastic. And if um, you can't bear to listen to all of our older <laughs> episodes again, because you did it once before and you said that's once is enough. If you go to worklifecyclecom slash pillars of productivity, there's a page there that describes these principles and you can download a summary of them as a PDF. And that could be a good uh, starting point for you. It's a summary of um, the, the whole program I run as a, as a training course in this, but I think the free download could be enough to start lots of people on this journey. And just to you know reiterate, we're not talking about putting extra demands on anyone. We're talking, if anything, about adding some flexibility and some efficiency into your day so you can get this stuff done and, and feel less pressured and feel better about it. And as I said, get the right things done at, in, in the right way at the right time, not necessarily do more at all. So we've come to the end uh, of another episode all about working from home. I hope despite the timing and what's going on in the world, this does sound relevant uh, to you um, and interesting to you. We'd love to hear what you're doing, especially with this topic. We'd love to hear what works for you, um, how you're adapting to working from home, or, you know, what tips or tricks have you explored that have been really good? What is it you're finding difficult? You can either send us a message on Twitter at mypocketpsych or in all probability with this topic, send us a longer message <laughs> than Twitter allows on the contact form on the website, worklifecyclecom slash contact. We'd love to hear from you. And, and especially we'd love to try and answer your questions or share your great examples so the, uh, the other listeners can learn from your experience. I think we'll wrap it up there, Pilar, unless you have anything else you'd like to add to the topic of being productive when working from home. I think you have covered it wonderfully <laughs> so no nothing else to add that is exactly what i wanted to hear no no thank you um please join us again for episode 80 when we'll be talking to dr kira kelly all about our hobbies our pastimes and our leisure and how how that relates uh to our working from home experience thanks for listening thanks for downloading this episode of my pocket psych to get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening.